in Christ, growing up in Christ, in Jesus, going from children uh, to adults in him. And if you've read sort of the book of Ephesians, you'd know that um, it seems to be that God's solution to all the world's problems is going to be this thing called the church. Paul writes about the church as if it is literally, Jesus goes away to heaven and he says, don't worry, I'm going to fix the world through this crazy group of people called the church. Even we saw maybe earlier in chapter two, this idea that even all the world's hostilities, and it couldn't be more relevant when we think about Jews and Gentiles today, but he says, even that problem, even the great hostilities that we see between Jews and Gentiles or nation against nation, even that will be resolved in and through the church. That's chapter two. And you sort of think, how's that possible? How is God going to fix the problems of South End through us lot? We can barely uh, organise a service, let alone... <laughs> let alone solve the problems of South End. Or maybe some of us think, actually, no, the way to really solve the problems of South End is through, I don't know, the government, or fixing the economy, or making sure there's enough services, or making sure the schools are up to scratch. Those are all brilliant things. But is that Jesus' ultimate strategy, is to fix the world through good education? Actually, we see through this letter that it's actually through the church. I mean, God saved the world, didn't he, on the cross? Jesus died for the sins of the world. He was redeemed the world. But he's going to almost bring that to fruition across the world through this body of Christ called the church. So let me read to you Ephesians 4 because it's really important then that we, the church, grow up that we actually start to look like Jesus in this world. Okay, chapter four. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself 
gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Really important that we grow up, not just to adults who can be responsible people holding down a job and all of that stuff, really important we grow up in Christ. Let me just take uh, the difference of what it means to be an infant in Christ and what it means to be an adult in Christ. Take Jesus. He's really mature, isn't he? If there's anyone who's mature spiritually, it's Jesus. One man. What can God do with one man who is actually mature spiritually? He can save the world. He can change the whole course of history forever and ever. He can give life to the dead. All of that. Then think about, for a moment, his disciples. Started off mere infants, didn't they? Squabbling, arguing, being competitive, um, fumbling around, making mistakes. Sort of infants, like toddlers. Can you imagine like a mother goose wandering along and the little goslings following after, like Jesus and his disciples. But then, of course, they grow up, the disciples, don't they? After the resurrection, particularly, and the Spirit of God comes upon them, and they see, they understand who Jesus is, and they're filled with the glory of God, and they grow up. Then what happens? They change the world. Twelve of them changed the whole world. How important is it that we grow up if we're going to change this world? There's a few more than 12 of us here, actually, so we could do quite a big... We ought to expand beyond South End, couldn't we, if we all grew up? It's so important. Can you think back to when you were a child? Can some of you still do that? <laughs> I can, just about. How many of you, sometimes when you're a child, you can't wait to grow up? Was anyone like that? Thinking, oh, if only I could just be older, then I could have those freedoms, then I could do this, then I could walk to school by myself or <laughs> go out with my mates or I could go to the cinema and get in to the other films. You know, all that sort of thing. Some, though, some children would rather stay as children. 
Anyone was like that, the kind of Peter Pan syndrome of going, I just don't want to grow up. I don't want to have to go out there and be responsible and, and uh, have a life outside. I just want to stay as a child. I can play. I don't have responsibilities. My dinner arrives on time. Uh, my clothes are there in my drawers. All of that. I want to stay as a child. I don't know what your childhood was like. There might be good reasons why you wanted to grow up. There might have been good reasons why you wanted to stay a child. I don't know. But the Lord God does want us to grow up. He does want us to grow up. Now, as a parent, and maybe some of you have been parents, wouldn't it be odd if your children never grew up? In fact, isn't it our jobs as parents to help them grow up, not just physically get bigger, feed them and things, but teach them how to become mature adults so that they can one day go out into the world. In fact, one of the great problems is, is when we parents hold on to them and go, don't grow up, I want to keep you at home, and sort of infantilize them forever. Doesn't help them, does it? God wants us. Now, of course, we are all God's children, and we love that, don't we? We love that, and that's, he lo God loves to care for his children, to meet our needs, provide for, our, for us. But he does also want us to grow up. Not just in that kind of, just grow up, would you? But in a sense of becoming someone. See, the difference between a child and an, and an adult is a child is someone that must be looked after constantly. Whereas someone who's grown up can start to look after others. Do you see the difference? Really important. And in fact, there's no end to how much we can grow up in Christ. Therefore, there is no end to how much God wants to use you to change the world if we grow up. Now, it's something that we can do on our own, of course. We can all grow up individually. But Paul's primarily talking about what if a church... A whole group of Christians grew up together into the fullness of Jesus. With everyone loving one another as Jesus does. With everyone being completely humble and gentle with one another. But strong. Strong. Not squabbling and infighting and games and gossip and power plays, and insecurities, and not getting our own needs met all the time, but a full and strong body. How much could we change the world? And that's what God wants for us to grow up. How do we grow up, though? How does Paul say that we grow up? Well, first he says here, it's an interesting verse, verse 11. Uh, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Works of service. Interesting, isn't it? Because you think it would be hours and hours of quiet prayer by yourself. 
Now, that, honestly, that is a brilliant thing to do. That does help you spiritually. But he focuses here on works of service. Works of service. Being a body of Christ, we all play our part as part of the body of Jesus. And it only works when we're healthy and strong together. Have you ever seen, um, uh, sometimes when I watch uh, tennis, I only watch tennis once a year, Wimbledon, you know, and um, you see the tennis players, brilliant tennis players who've been training all their lives. But have you noticed that uh, sometimes when I look at the tennis players, uh, some of them, their tennis arm is like really massive and muscly. <laughs> yeah, have you noticed that? And then their other arm is like scrawny and tiny because they only really ever use the one arm to do their job. They're really good at that one job of hitting a ball like that. Yeah? Okay, now, sometimes in a church, we want, though, all the parts of the body to be strong and healthy so that we can do many different tasks, so that we're not just good at one thing, we're kind of good at everything. God could send us anyone with any kind of background, any kind of nationality, any kind of situation, any kind of thing, or throw hurricanes and throw tornadoes and throw famines and throw anything at the church. But because every part of the body is strong and healthy, we can cope with all kinds of problems. Not just good at one thing, good at everything. And also, how difficult is it, though, when a body... Uh, isn't just not working out properly and being strong and healthy, but is actively trying to do the opposite thing to the other part of the body. Has anyone, is anyone a really good dancer here? Like, you know, tango and foxtrot and that, with, t with a partner where you dance. You're all hiding your light under a bushel. I know there's some people who go out, you know, dancing. Um, those who can't dance often say, what? It's like I have two left feet yeah because you're always just tre treading on someone or stumbling or getting in the way sometimes the church can be like that we've got one foot wanting to go that way and another foot wanting to go that way a hand that just wants to go to bed and a, another hand that wants to go out and do something and we're kind of just wandering around a bit like this how do we figure that out how do we get this unity that Paul talks about, so that we're working together, being Christ's hands and feet in this world. Well, he says, works of service will help. Works of service. What does that mean, works of service? I think it can mean all kinds of things. All kinds of things. Firstly, it means the basic. It means loving one another well. Loving one another well. Putting each other's needs before our own. And you have to be mature to do that. Because remember, adults, children need looking after. And Paul says that in uh, 1 Corinthians 3. He says, you're like mere infants. I have to keep feeding you out of a bottle with milk. I wish you would grow up so I could give you solid food and you could actually be useful. But it's kind of like I have to just keep helping you with the basics each time. Paul's a grown-up and he's helping the church. But... To serve each other helps us grow up because we're not just having to be looked after, we're looking up and after others. Really important. Works of service. 
And then as we're the body of Christ in the world, we'll be truly useful to a perishing and complicated and troubled world. To help us then do these works of service, to help us love one another and to help us grow in Christ, God's given us certain gifts. He's gifted the church. Okay, that was that whole bit. Did you hear that? When Jesus ascended on high, when he went to heaven, he didn't just say, I'm leaving you to abandon you. He says, I'm leaving you and I'm going to send down the Holy Spirit with loads of gifts for the church to help you serve one another, do acts of service and to become mature. Okay, so he's going to give loads of gifts. Um, and these gifts are going to help you grow up in Christ. I find it fascinating um, that Jesus, if you think about what Jesus did, he, he came down from heaven. He poured out his life in service to others. And then ultimately he died, he descended so low on the cross and into the grave and did all these incredible things for the world. So God raised him from the dead and ascended him on high to the highest place in all of heaven and gave Jesus all the resources of the universe. Okay, so God gives him all the resources of the universe because he is someone who is prepared to be mature and help and serve others. And when Christ receives all these treasures and all these gifts and all the powers of the universe at the right hand of the Father, what does he choose to do with them? He doesn't go, oh, I've worked hard all my life. That was a really hard job. Uh, loving the world and doing all that. I'm just going to put my feet up and let everyone serve me for ages. That's kind of what, that's a human mentality, isn't it? I'm going to climb the ladders of success in life, work for 50 plus 60 years in order to get to the top so that I can finally enjoy the world, enjoy my success, look after me and my family and everyone serves me kind of thing. Jesus doesn't do that. He does all of that and he strives to get this place in heaven that he's deserved by his father's love in order to give gifts to the whole world in order to help them grow up and be like him. He's amazing, Jesus. And what does he give us? What does he give us? Okay, let's have a look. It's an interesting list of gifts he gives to the church, verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service. Those sort of five gifts. I can't, I haven't got time to get into all of those. It's just to say, they're all very churchy, aren't they, gifts? Apostles, they were great at planting new churches, weren't they? Prophets, fantastic at bringing God's word to the people. Evangelists, well, they're good at sharing Jesus, aren't they? They're good at bringing people to church good at sharing, showing people Jesus. Pastors, really great people at looking after the flock like a shepherd. And teachers, people who can teach the Bible, teach people the faith, train people how to be a follower of Jesus. So that God's people are fully equipped to grow up. I um, imagine for a moment you got a free membership to like the best gym in Southend. Does anyone know what, I don't know what the best gym in Southend is, but I bet it's brilliant, but it's got everything, weights, 
exercise machines, those personal trainer people who are just scary, aren't they? Because you're like, you're too super fit. Stay away from me. Uh, swimming pools, saunas, well, all the rest of it. The, can you picture that? The best gym in the world. Free membership. It would cost you, I don't know, £1,000 a year to join the best membership place ever. Gym. Um, and you've got all this at your resources, yeah? If you're anything like me, you'd probably waste that membership. <laughs> you'd probably maybe use the sauna. But you've got all this at your disposal, all this equipment, people ready to train you in it, people who are going to help you be, uh, get fit and get healthy, all this at your disposal, and then you go, yeah, no, I'm just going to sit on the sofa and watch EastEnders tonight. That's the path I'm choosing. <laughs> now, that's just a little illustration to say that God will give and equip the church with amazing things. But he can't force you to use all of that. People who will teach you, train you, give their time to you, pastor you, help you, show you Jesus as best they can so that you can go, ah, he saved me, he loves me, he's showing me his ways, I'm going to follow him, just like the apostles. Everything you need. Yet the Bible says, so many of us will remain infants. Why? Sometimes I ask myself, sometimes, I don't know if you've been in your own prayer time, I say, Lord, I am such an infant. I am so childish in the ways of you. I want to grow up too. I think it would be really exciting if we at the evening service sort of committed ourselves to getting down the gym more in terms of the, of the Christian faith. I don't even know what that would look like sometimes to see a church that has grown up. But I know it would be amazing. Amazing. Think about what Jesus, how he sets the example. Jesus sets the example, doesn't he, as the mature man in Christ. He is exactly the person who is the most full of the life of God that there's ever lived. How does he use his time? How does he use, how does he use the resources that he has? How did he treat people? How did he deal with the hardest things in this world? Let me read verse 7. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And verse 9. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? And he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. He descended to the cross. He gave up everything he had. And he always and only ever has us in mind, the good and well-being of his people. That's what it is to be mature. And as we just set our eyes on Jesus, 
Let's use the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to show us the wonder and beauty and love and grace and strength and maturity of Jesus to encourage us to grow up in him, to draw close to him, to say, Jesus, help me grow in my faith to become someone altogether like you, because then the world will be able to see and taste and experience the goodness of God. The goodness of God. That's what I want. I want to experience it here with you, the way we love and serve one another. Let's pray.